Hello, beautiful people. I am Ashley Joe, and I am not your host, although I am stealing Ashley Low Blasting Games greeting. I am one of the producers of the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast, and we are currently in a mid-summer break. So our lovely host, Ashley, has been meeting with guests and recording more amazing inspirational stories to bring to you in the weeks to come. We just recorded an awesome interview today and I cannot wait for you to hear it. But while we are in this mid-summer break, we are bringing back the episode short. And this week we have one of my very favorite episodes for a variety of reasons, and it may be because I was a huge fan of the show Full House growing up, and that is season two, episode 57, with Jody Sweeten, who played Stephanie Tanner, the middle child in the show Full House. This episode aired about a year ago, and it was kind of when I was in a very rough point of my own recovery journey and my sobriety journey. I had been dabbling with sobriety since January and had relapsed a few times and just been struggling. And there was something about this episode that really stuck out to me. I remember I was running and I heard Jody talk about her feelings of anxiety and share a story about how when she was young, she had this feeling of not being able to swallow and it was actually related to her anxiety. And I remember running and literally stopping dead in my tracks and reversing the podcast, going back a little bit so that I could hear that part again because I... That's something I had experienced for a good portion of my life and I had never known that something like that could be tied to anxiety and I had never heard someone else explain the way that I felt. And so I have three clips from Jody Sweeten's episode. The first one is where she's talking about her journey with anxiety and having anxiety from a very young age as a child how that impacted her life. The second clip, which is another reason this episode is near and dear to my heart, is Jody talking about being adopted. And my ears always perk up because I'm a mom who has adopted a child. And so I always am curious to hear how adoption has impacted people. And Jody shares how her adoption impacted her life. That's the second clip. And then the last clip that you'll hear in our episode short is what Jody's healing process has looked like for her up until this point in her recovery journey. So one important note and thing to remember is this was recorded about a year ago when we were in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. You may hear Jody talking a little bit about isolation or bringing in some talk of COVID. That's when this was recorded. And without further ado, really excited for you to hear season two, episode 57 with Jody Sweeten. I mean, I've always suffered from anxiety. And it's funny because as my anxiety has unfortunately gotten worse over the last couple of years of it, um, just as I don't know why, but it just has. Uh, I don't know why this year it's things are going so great. Um, but <laughs> totally. 
but I've stopped and uh, had to remember all of the things, you know, my, my um, daughter has some anxiety issues and she was talking to me one day about how she felt like she could, like, she just felt like she couldn't swallow right. Like she felt, and it, I had not remembered until she brought that up to me that at probably eight years old, I had the same thing and went to the doctor for it because I felt like I couldn't swallow. But anxiety wasn't a thing. And it certainly wasn't a thing that kids ever got diagnosed with, you know, 30 years ago. And I started really stopping and thinking about all of these very significant things in my life that were a result of an underlying anxiety that developed over my life. And I didn't know what that feeling was. But I knew that if everything was a certain way, it made that feel better. I knew if every, if I could just, if, you know, if my homework, if all the writing was really neat, if all the lines were really like, if not, I'm not OCD, you know, I don't have that diagnosis, but I do know that my perfectionism is inextricably linked to my anxiety perfectionism. Like those two things just go together. And so when I feel like something isn't, perfect. If I feel like, you know, whatever reason my, you know, four step doesn't, isn't the way it is or, or, or the way it should be, or that I didn't call my sponsor at 10 AM. I called her, you know, I, I skipped a day or, but you know, it used to be, those were the things that I was like, well, I'm just not, I'm just not doing this. So I might as well just give right. up because if I'm not going to do it perfect, then why do it at all? You know? And, um, and I, it, that, that has made, that has been something that I, you know, even, even now I talk to my boyfriend and he'll be like, that's, that's quite a list. Like what's on the other side of that? Like what's the good stuff on the other side of the list to balance that out? And I'm like, (laughs) there's another side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's another list. That's right. Yes. Let me, hold on. Let me get back to you on that. Right. Right. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, I think it's one of the things that's kind of the, you know, the dichotomy, which is that when we're using and drinking to many people, we look like underachievers, losers, you know, lazy, whatever. But many of us are actually overachievers who cannot deal, who need some sort of substance to deal with the fact that we can't get it right. We can't get it perfect. Right. It's too much. Right. I mean, I think for most alcoholics, there is some sort of underlying anxiety. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Disorder. And, and anxiety is usually a control issue, you know what I mean? And so it makes sense that the more you are controlling external things in your environment, the more you're trying to keep the insides together. You know, I know for me, I used to struggle with leaving a dirty dish in the sink, which is great. These are great problems to have. I'm a very neat person, but when it literally keeps me up for 20 minutes trying to go to sleep because I'm thinking about what a failure I am because I haven't washed all the dishes today. Right. That is a very different reason. You know what I mean? It's not it, that that is the crux of that. The self-disappointment, I think, that so much of our using hinges on, which is I want to be the best. And if I can't be the best, I'll be the worst. Right. Right. When did you find out you were adopted or when did they how did that how did they tell you? knew I mean my parents I always knew they always told oh, me yes, that you know, you I was picked for right. them that I was special that I you know that they welcomed me in their hearts but you know not my mom's tummy and you know all that kind of stuff I think when I was about a, uh, like 11 or 12 was when they told me kind of the whole story about my you know my parents background and just some of the 
more traumatic, darker stuff that was kind of the first 14 months of my life that I, you know, I have no memory of, but I know that they still have, you know, deep seated effects on me, which is interesting when you start thinking like, why do I have attachment issues? Oh, wait, right, right. (laughs) You know, that's so weird. I grew up with a great family and all these wonderful connections and relationships. Like why do I, what is that thing for me? I'm like, oh, this is that, you know, nature nurture thing of there will always be certain things that I'm working on overcoming that I don't even realize that are are struggles. But, you know, when I was 13 and the show ended, I was, I was going through this, I mean, I was going through a really struggling time anyway, because, you know, I was coming to terms with my adoption around 13, 14. So it was a couple years after I'd found out the whole story. And, and there was, you know, a lot of stuff that I talk about in the book about, you know, I, I had gotten very ill as an infant. I had been found, you know, in, in an abandoned garage and I had, you know, all this kind of stuff that was pre-traumatic. And so at 13 or 14, I started having that thing that a lot of adoptees go through, which is, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a reflection of the people who are raising me, but I'm not a reflection of these people I don't know. So what is that? I don't know how much of it is, is biological parents, how much of it is my parent parents and who am I? And do I want to be either one of them or do I want to reject both of them? Or, you know, I realized that a big part of my drinking and using that I think started at that age was because a huge portion of all that I knew about them was that they were addicts and alcoholics. And it was like a weird connection of if they were, I am. Right. I want to be something. I want to be someone. For it, but what is, I want to be someone. And then at that same time, the someone that I was on TV was suddenly, I suddenly wasn't a working actor anymore. And I also wasn't Stephanie, but I wanted to be Jody, but I didn't know who that person right. was. So there was like all of these pieces of, I didn't really know yeah. who I was. And so I was, I would just go along with whoever you told me you wanted right. me to be. Sure. I'll be that person. I could be a chameleon and I'm still very good at sort of floating in between, you know, vastly different social groups because I know how I like, I can be. Not that I'm now being disingenuous, but I just, there's yeah. all these different facets of who I am. And uh, I think at that young age in particular, I really had no idea what direction, I, like who I was. So did you do a lot of that work? Like, I'm sure it was a combination, but did you do a lot of that work that like kind of when you were talking about so like finding yourself and being alone did you do more of that work in therapy or 12 steps or like was it a con you know both it was a combination I did I, I did a lot of it in 12 steps one I I went back and started redoing a woman's way through the 12 steps which yeah uh, is such a great thing for me and I actually use that a lot with um Santis just because I find that it is for a lot of women, we have a, a whole entirely different set of trauma and self-hatred that comes with it. And I find that that particular book and, and way to work the steps is a little more gentle and soft and nurturing. And it just really helped me. So I, you know, I've done that, but therapy was huge for me. And I should probably go back because, you know, quarantine is definitely bringing up some fun things. Uh, as you, you know, get to sit at your home all the time. You're like, Oh, 
oh, isn't this crazy? Hello. Uh, but therapy for sure. And, you know, I, I took this really amazing trip to Thailand and Japan around the time I had gone through, like I said, this last really ugly ba- breakup several years ago. And we were shooting, we were going to go shoot in Japan and we were going to be there for like 20 days. And I said, you know what? I've got time before I'm taking myself on a solo trip to Thailand. And I'd never traveled by myself before. I'd never been out of the country before. And I did a whole 10 day trip in Thailand by myself. And I, you know, went to an elephant sanctuary and which was something that I'd always wanted to do. And I got to touch these amazing creatures and I traveled and I, you know, went to the night markets and the street fairs and the, you know, I did all of these things on my own in this completely foreign country. And I, I'm sure that there were times that people thought I was crazy because I would just like burst into laughter because I was so full of joy in a way that I hadn't been before, like joy and freedom in a way that I hadn't had before that it was, I always say it was a, an, it was a life changing trip and experience for me. So it sounds so cheesy because it's like fucking eat, pray, love or whatever the hell it is, <laughs> which I never read or watched because I hate those kind of movies. So to even be like, I had like a magical trip, man. Like I just want to punch myself in the face, but be that as it may, it was a magical life changing trip. And I found a comfort in my own skin that I hadn't had before. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. I never thought of that, but I did the same thing. And it, like when you said that, I went to Barcelona by myself and I remember it was so empowering. Particularly, There's something about it also being a foreign country and a different language. It was so empowering. I remember thinking like just going to the grocery store and carrying my groceries by myself, like even though that's stupid, not like anyone carried my groceries anyway before, but there was... Right. But there was something about it. Like I went to a place... Like I did it. For me, particularly in Thailand, it was like I went somewhere. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I can't read a sign. I don't can't speak a language. Like I had a guide at times that was with me, but there were a lot of times that I was like, no, I just want to go do this on my own. It's empowering. And I did it and it was awesome. And I, I highly recommend. Yes, I agree. You know, that, that at some point in every woman's life, go take a trip somewhere on your own. Even if it's not like, it doesn't have to be a foreign country. Go camping by yourself yeah. for a week. Like go safely. Yeah, obviously. just don't go to, maybe uh, but, not in like <laughs> Afghanistan or right. Morocco, but like, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Or, you know, don't go camping like with, by yourself without, you know, I don't, anyway. <laughs> What I'm saying is it's an incredibly empowering experience. And my friend gave me the book, Cheryl Strayed. Yes. Why can't I think of the name um, of it right now? Yes. She, it was called... About her hiking the PCT. Yes. Oh my God. Wait, I'm... What? That's going to kill me. What the hell is the book called? Cheryl Strayed. It is what it, called... It, uh, wild. Like one wild. word. I want to... Wild. I'm like, it's one yes. word. One table. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and my friend was like, I think you should read this before you go on your trip. I did. And I discovered two things. One, that I never want to go on a long-term hiking trip, <laughs> but uh, also that I got the, the same experience. It was this, that same sort of, I don't know if I can do this. It's a little bit scary. I, I don't know what's going on. And yet moments of being so full of like joy and, and success and like this feeling of like, I did this. I did this. I remember driving back to the hotel I was staying at, which was this few, I had this amazing, like my own 
and Thailand is dirt cheap. So you, what you get there for what you pay for is like unreal. And I was in this little tuk-tuk going back to my hotel. And those are like the little things that are on the back of like a, like a motorcycle, but they're like a little right, 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 right. carriage looking thing, you know? And we're like bobbing and weaving through the streets oh my of Chiang Mai at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. And there's people and it's warm and it's humid and the smell and like everything. And I, I'll never forget. I remember I started like laugh crying because I was, and I was like, you're so lame. But I was like, this is, I was, yeah. I didn't know what to even name that feeling, but it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And it was such a sense of freedom and just like peace. Yeah. And that, and I hadn't had that night and I, it changed a lot of things for me. I still had a lot of stuff to go through over the next couple of years, but it really, I look at that trip for me as the starting point of a very new way in which I treated myself. I'm so glad that Jody was able to find her freedom and find her peace in life. Those are just a few of the clips from her awesome episode, which again aired in season two, episode 57 with Jody Sweeten. And if you haven't listened to her episode, go back. It was around this time last year that her episode aired. You'll hear her talk a lot about just her story and what it was like growing up as a child star, being on Full House. And I know when I started listening to the episode originally about a year ago, I thought I'm probably not going to be able to relate to this at all because she's a celebrity and she grew up in the spotlight. But there were so many parts of her story that I could relate to. And one of those things was finding her freedom and finding her peace. And if that is something that you're looking for and you're sitting listening to these episode shorts and have questions or are looking for more information, I encourage you to visit lionrock.life. We have a plethora of free online AA meetings, 12-step meetings, and alternative recovery meetings. If you simply go to lionrock.life, and click on meetings, you can see everything that we have to offer. And that's all for this week. We'll come back next week with another amazing episode short. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.